disciples are incredibly similar, and you definitely do see patterns in the sense that there there always are these periods of underinvestment where you just don't think you need gold, and it changes so fast where all of a sudden. Look at how fast the gold price has gone from $1,300 to $1,800 U.S. Speed at which sentiment can shift is always remarkable, but it's always the same. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky, and today do I have somebody very special on the line for you. His name is Mr. Amir Adnani. He is the chairman and founder of Gold Mining Inc. And today's call, we're going to be talking about gold. We're talking about pandemic. We're talking about entrepreneurialism. We're talking about a whole host of things. So with all that being said, welcome to the show, Amir. It's uh, really nice to connect with you, Rick. Uh, it's our first time together, but I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yes, uh, as am I. Thank you again. Now, um, before we jump into the core of the call, uh, Amir, it is customary for um, me to learn a little bit more about you for the My Future Business audience. They are entrepreneurs. They're small to medium-sized business owners. They're looking for ways to grow their businesses. And as somebody at the top of the tree in gold mining and as an entrepreneur yourself, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and things you like to do when you have some downtime, if there is such a thing. I love entrepreneurship. I'm extremely passionate about it. I've been, um, you know, I'm just fascinated with the concept of building a business, starting a business for as long as I can remember. Uh, and um, it's something that maybe runs in the family. My father was an entrepreneur and my, my brother's an entrepreneur. And so I think there's incredible uh, joy and reward that comes out of the, the, the whole concept of taking something from an idea, a concept, and attracting like-minded people to assemble a team. I've always thought in every business, uh, business is a team sport. Uh, I, you know, team sports analogies really resonate with me when it comes to business. And so just like anything in team sports, it's all about the team. It's all about having strategy with that team and executing and trials and tribulations and just having the perseverance to get through it, all of that. So to me, uh, I, I just love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm been fortunate enough to be in a position now where over the last 15 years, being, uh, being in Vancouver, Canada, uh, and uh, hey, you know, just uh, don't take this the wrong way because Australia is also good at the mining game, but we think Canada and Vancouver are in a way kind of the you know, an important epicenter for mineral exploration and mining. So as an entrepreneur wanting to get into that business, it's sort of like wanting to start a technology startup and being in Palo Alto, California. When you're, when you're in the heart of the action, yeah. it becomes so much easier to meet the right people, the right lawyers, the right accountants with expertise that's there. So, you know, for me, I, I came out of the University of British Columbia where I graduated. That's the a university here in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still very involved with my alma mater. I'm on the board of UBC's Alumni Association. Uh, really, uh, that's that that was instrumental for me to gain uh, the right kind of foundation. Come out, get on the uh, industry side, 
and, uh, and build different businesses. And today, the three companies that I founded and I'm still directly involved with as the CEO of Uranium Energy Corp that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange, founder and chairman of Uranium Royalty Corp, and also then founder and chairman of Gold Mining Inc., which is on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol Gold. The commodities that I'm interested in have a similar color in common. They're the yellow metals. Uranium is the yellow powder. Gold <laughs> yep. is the yellow metal. Uh, we're going to talk about gold, and that's uh, and that's where we can start. But I think for me, as an entrepreneur, I've always believed also, because of the sector that I'm in, Rick, being commodities, yep. I believe in commodities, in order to be successful, you have to be very counter-cyclical. You need to be contrarian. Commodity business is a very cyclical business, and I've always believed that the best time to acquire and build a commodity-focused business is when the commodity price is low and uh, sentiment is weak and out of favor. And so what really excites me to talk about gold today is that we find ourselves in, uh, in an environment for gold that seems to be uh, very special. I mean, it really seems like the perfect environment for gold. But if you try to jump into building a gold business today, you're simply not going to get the same value rather than if you were building and acquiring gold assets over the last decade when gold was out of favor. And that's the big advantage right now with Gold Mining Inc. is we're in a position where we were acquiring gold assets when gold was in a truly bear market environment. That's shifting now. And that's what's exciting is bringing it back to entrepreneurship. When it comes to mining, I think being a contrarian is so important. Yeah. And, um, and that, I've always tried to apply that to uh, the way that I've gone about building my business. Yeah, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. There's um, some things we can take away from that, but I also like to talk about day-to-day um, -day behavior, uh, mindset, and we certainly will be deep diving into gold. Now, I, I wonder, what does a typical day look like for you? I know that you are super busy, and I, I wonder, do you have to, uh, do you ever wake up of a morning and go, you know what, I really, I just want to pull the sheets over my head and not, not do this today? And what does a, a typical day look like for, for you? Um, I, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's funny you say that because I'm usually competing for those sheets that you're talking about to pull over your head. <laughs> I'm, I'm competing with my five-year-old who typically finds her way back into our bed after we put her to bed. My wife and I. I have one of them as well. <laughs> and, and this greyhound dog that we have who just thinks that he needs to be sleeping right in our bed. He's a big, big greyhound. So I don't know about the mornings, you know, Rick, and throughout the night just competing with for space. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, besides, besides being uh, an entrepreneur, um, and I see an incredible parallel between um, the three companies that I've found, yeah. uh, and being a father to three children. Okay, so I've got... Uh, kids that are age 12, 10, and 5. And I've got three companies that are ages 15, 10, and 3. And so it's very similar in terms of this, the, the needs of uh, your kids, how you think about them from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And the same businesses, I feel like from the moment I wake up, I'm, you know, just, you know, you wake up and you need lots of coffee to get going. You've got a young family, you got you know, three companies. Uh, and so it's just go, go, go. So as a result, I think there's a lot of time to really think much about 
um, anything other than just hit the ground running and execute. And look, I I love every minute of it. I love being a father. I love you know the you know the family environment uh, that I've, I've created with my wife, where I believe in that case she's the CEO and I'm I'm you know I'm her lieutenant and. And I've worked, it's, you know, working with your team every day to solve problems. But what I see as a common thing, Rick, I tell my, 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 my children this, the eldest one who always comes and asks me what I'm going to be doing at work that day. And I always tell them, I say, you know what I'm doing at work today? I'm problem solving. And I find with all of our businesses, it's problem solving every day. As an entrepreneur, I think you come in and you, you're presented that day's uh, set of problems and, and you're solving, right? Yep. Some of them have long-term implications, some have short-term, and some are medium-term. Uh, but it's just uh, it's just embracing it, and, and it's all about the attitude, right? And yep. the attitude you bring is, uh, is what sets the tone for uh, the rest of the day. You, uh, you, as like many others, have a, you know this idea of what your life should look like. I wonder if we were to fast forward to the end of your life, what would your legacy be? Do you think? What would you want people I'm, to remember I'm, you by? I'm too young, and I haven't accomplished uh, nearly enough to to really think like that. But my my simple philosophy in life, and what I would love to be remembered by, is really this notion that I would I, this world has given so much to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my parents, my wife, my children, the society that I'm a part of, the country of Canada that I, my family immigrated to, the uh, United States of the country that embraced me as an entrepreneur where I built the largest uranium mining company in the U.S. Yeah. But the world's given so much to me. I think my philosophy in life, really what I believe in is I want to give back more to the world than what it gave me. I, I want to leave this place with, with more virtue, value, um, and, and, you know, however way you want to measure that and what I took from it. And I think as long as you, you, you really live like that and you, you give back more than what you take, and you've, left, you've, you've left this world behind in better condition as a better place for, you, you know, for, for everyone else after you to basically enjoy it and yeah. have the same positive experiences that you have. I appreciate you taking the time to provide this feedback. Thank you so very much. Now, um, we were talking earlier about, uh, I guess, the state of the world and how there's opportunity in gold right now. Um, you know, it, it, there are lockdowns going around. Uh, there are entire industries shutting down. How could this possibly be a, a good thing for an investor right now, do you think? Um you mean the overall market or just the Yeah, world? just the overall, you know, uh, compression of the markets. People are not buying. People are being told to stay home. Industries are shutting down. Where are the opportunities that lie in this? It's very complicated because I think while you're being told to stay home, while we clearly have challenges despite now an attempt everywhere to normalize and try to reopen, mm-hmm. and clearly it's not going um, exactly back to what it used to be, uh, you know, before COVID or BC, uh, as you said, yeah. um, we have a difficult situation because of the fact that uh, interest rates being basically either at zero or negative uh, interest rates, negative yielding rates, almost force you as an investor to have to think about investing. And this causes, in my opinion, dangerous asset bubbles where certain things uh, become overheated and overpriced and they just make no sense. Yeah. And you're almost being penalized as an investor for sitting on cash or sitting on sidelines because you think that certain segments of the market are overvalued. 
because by sitting on the sidelines, uh, your, your your capital is basically just being deteriorated. Because what are you going to sit in ten-year U.S. Treasury, for example, and and, and literally uh, uh, receive nothing uh, in compensation for for your time and patience for being a saver? Uh, and and so it's a I think the problem here is that the central banks across the world have had to create uh, so much um, liquidity uh, in order to suppress real rates. And by doing so, uh, it's created a very difficult environment for savers, for investors. And to me, that's one of the really key reasons why uh, gold uh, is taking center stage here. Because if you continue to have, and if you need or going to have, debasement of fiat currencies by central banks across the world, including the U.S. Fed. The U.S. Fed wants to keep rates near zero, at least till 2022. And we continue to have a suppression of real rates, and we're going to have negative yielding rates, uh, and, again, because that's the only way we can have reduced economic activity while we keep printing and spending money to keep everyone uh, basically uh, you know, paid while they yeah. sit at that. That that has to somehow reflect itself in something, and gold is the is the haven of last resort. It's the one thing the central banks cannot print. It, you know, you, you can't print gold, but you can print fiat currencies. And compared to its historic highs, gold is still actually very much undervalued. If you can if you compare the gold price today uh, in U.S. dollar terms, uh, which is uh, one thousand eight hundred dollars almost. U.S. dollar, which is probably the only currency other than the Swiss franc where gold hasn't reached an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Gold's all-time high in U.S. dollar terms was 1900 in 2011. And if you compare uh, total uh, U.S. debt to GDP or total global debt and just the overall nature of where we are in the market today versus 2011, uh, the gold price today should be significant, significantly higher, in my opinion, to be at a fair value. Um, compared to where it was in 2011. And so as Bank of America has said, as uh, Goldman Sachs and all these other banks that are not calling, Bank of America calling for $3,000 an ounce gold. I mean, if you said you thought gold was going to $3,000 an ounce six months ago or a year ago, people thought you were one of those crazy, you know, gold <laughs> Yeah. But that's the Bank of America that's calling for $3,000 an ounce gold. And, very, you know, I think you look at that, and not only do you have the fact that gold is the ultimate form of money uh, in an environment where, again, you have extreme debasement going on, gold can not only uh, maintain its value, but it can also become a great hedge against inflation. And I think we're going to have inflation as you get economic activity that's eventually going to pick up while rates are being suppressed. Uh, you, you're, that's going to lead to inflation, and so there has to be that uh, gold uh, readjustment uh, of positioning for gold to to basically be able to hedge against the expectation of inflation. So all of that to say that I think one of the uh, one of the only asset classes left in the world that is undervalued, underowned, and should do very well in the coming years with the overall economic conditions, interest rates. Uh, and, um, and what currencies are going to do is gold uh, as a store of value uh, and, uh, and really as Goldman Sachs called the, the haven of last report. Yeah, thank you. That's wonderful insight. I, I wonder, I always think about diversification of uh, precious metal uh, portfolios. Do you think there's any validity in looking um, outside of gold or is it purely gold only? 
I'm focused on gold just because look, it's because it's of the nature of the game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's uh, there's obviously uh, an argument to be made that uh, hard assets and most commodities uh, could do well in an environment where. Uh, you're going to have runaway inflation. Gold is already acting very well, and gold can lead the uh, the commodity complex higher. Now, having said that, it's difficult to I think paint all the commodities with the same brush. But then, as a result, I think you do need to look at the supply demand fundamentals for each one, and each one needs to be more carefully looked at. Um, yeah, I, I just come back to gold. I think in the yeah. case of gold, we have a situation where. Not only do you have the economic considerations that are going to be driving the gold price higher, uh, and uh, the most important relationship, I really think, is the relationship between the gold price and uh, real rates. So real rates being nominal rates adjusted for inflation. That ultimately, uh, especially if we end up with zero to negative uh, interest rates, uh, real rates, that is the that is the key relationship I look at for gold. That's on the economic side. That's on the interest rate side. But you got to look at the extraction side, the physical side of gold, yeah. which has its own challenges because we're coming into the environment right now where the gold price has come out of a eight-year bear market, and it's not an eight-year high. But over the preceding eight years, where the gold price put the gold industry into bear market territory, the major gold producers globally were underinvesting in gold deposits and discoveries and exploration. And what that means is that the pipeline for gold resources uh, is quite thin. Gold resources in the ground are at a decade low. So as we come into this bull market environment, uh, you have very kind of limited capacity for new production to come online. Yeah. Uh, you also saw with COVID-19, it caused a lot of disruption for gold mines globally had to be shut down refineries in Switzerland were impacted and had to shut down. Uh, just the overall movement of gold was affected. Uh, I know for myself personally, just anecdotally, in February, uh, I bought a gold coin for my 12-year-old son for his birthday. And in the month of March, 30 days later, if you went back to the same uh, store to buy gold coins, they were all sold out. Go on. All those, all those things highlight the physical limitations and the physical and that's what makes gold valuable. Again, you can't print it. And this physical limitation is what makes it uh, valuable and it, it has true scarcity value. So you, I think you have to look at all those things on its own. And when you do, it, it creates a, a, a number of kind of factors that ultimately, I, I, I know it sounds cheesy, I hate to say it, but there's a bit of perfect storm, I think, that underpins uh, this bull market environment that we seem to be in for gold right now. Yes, again, wonderful insights. Now, um, I know that uh, given that uh, you just talked about this gold coin that you purchased and it was harder to find, for those who are wanting to invest right now, um, given these issues, um, how are people actually going to get their hands on gold when, when they want it? Is the process the same or are they just paying more? Uh, the process, uh, there is, they are paying more. I mean, for sure, there was a period uh, around the same time where there was uh, difficulties with movement to gold globally. There was a premium for physical uh, uh, gold in the form of coins or um, other forms that uh, you may be seeking. There was a premium on that versus paper gold. So with the comics, for example, option market or paper market yeah. would, be, uh, would be valued at. Obviously, then there's the entire other side of the spectrum, which are the 
uh, gold stocks. So companies that are in the business of either owning gold assets like our company, Gold Mining Inc., or gold producers whose income and revenue is derived from mining gold and selling gold. And so all of these become proxies. So it's a question of degrees of direct exposure you want to have. The most direct exposure, you could argue, would be gold coins or physical gold that you can literally hold, put in your pocket, put yeah. in your safe, whatever yeah. the case is. And then from there, it's all the derivatives, uh, be it the exchange-traded funds, uh, the, uh, the paper market, and then all the, the, the world of equities related to gold, exploration development companies, holding companies, and producing companies. When you look back in time, over the history of your involvement with the gold mining sector, do you see that there's any trending in terms of history repeating itself um, through, you know, last time we had uh, SARS and we had all these other uh, issues going on? Uh, from those cycles, what are, you, what are you predicting for the future of gold? The, the cycles are incredibly uh, similar and you definitely do see patterns in the sense that there, there always are these periods of uh, underinvestment where you just don't think you need gold. And it changes so fast where all of a sudden, look at how fast the gold price has gone from $1,300 to $1,800 US. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been basically within a span of uh, 12 months. And all of a sudden we go from, we don't need gold to now there's so much more focus on gold. So yeah. the, 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 the speed at which uh, sentiment and shift is always uh, always remarkable, but it's always the same. The second thing is that inevitably every cycle starts with uh, investors coming in, looking at the sector, and wanting to immediately invest in the largest companies in the sector because the large companies usually come with greater market capitalization, liquidity, and it's easier to uh, take a position if you're a large institutional investor. You also see a rise in the underlying commodity price itself and any of the physical exchange traded funds. Once those things start to hit full valuation or start to trade at premium multiples, be it on cash flow or net asset valuation or whatever the market multiple is, and investors feel that they're perfectly priced, then investors start to look for companies that are smaller, medium size, and then after that, the smaller companies because now you're looking for value and you're looking for those companies that haven't rallied yet or rallied as much as the large companies. When you start to kind of get into that phase of the cycle, it becomes really interesting because it's the medium-sized and small companies that can then have uh, moves that become kind of multiples of where they're trading at, right? That's where yeah. you get this, like five baggers, 10 baggers. Typically the large cap names don't, don't have the same type of uh, prolific moves as the medium to small factors. That's where we are in the gold sector today. In the gold sector today, when you look at the biggest companies, be it uh, uh, Barrick Gold or Newmont or uh, Newcrest, these are the names that are trading at their 52-week highs. They're, they're trading at the best multiples uh, of various uh, financial metrics. And really, I think it's you're beginning to see now capital start to flow into the medium and small cap names. And arguably that's then when you also start to see mergers and acquisitions. That, yes. that cycle starts where the big guys start to buy the little guys and, and you need growth, right? Because if you're a large cap name, uh, once you start to pay down your debt, you start to pay a good dividend, 
you start to trade at a premium valuation. Well, the next question everyone's going to have is, well, where is the growth? Where is the growth in this business? In mining, growth comes from having pre-production projects that you can then build and bring into production, and that's your growth. And so for, for us, and what we've anticipated in our company with gold mining was that if we can acquire resource stage pre-production gold projects yeah. when they're cheap and out of favor, and when we end up in a gold bull market environment, these projects become basically the growth for producing companies that need to acquire growth once we end up in a proper gold mark, gold bull market in earnest. And that's where then our assets can get a re-rating and we would look to then harvest on uh, asset base that we've acquired when the gold price was out of favor and those resource stage projects were literally overlooked because no one wanted them, no one wanted to yeah. talk about growth when they, when gold was at $1,000 an ounce, $1,100 an ounce, no one wanted growth. Everyone wanted to just pay down the debt on their balance sheet and just survive. Now the game has changed very quickly. So we've anticipated this happening for 10 years in our company, positioned for it, for it 10 years. So remember, you got to take a long-term approach. Contrarian. You got to be contrarian. And being contrarian means you got to be patient yeah. because you can't, you can't get the timing. You can't guess the timing. I mean, if you're patient long-term enough in commodities, eventually it turns because it's a cyclical business, but you got to really stick to the knitting. And we did that. You know, we IPO'd our company in 2011, made our first acquisition in 2012. $85 million later, we've made $85 million worth of acquisitions starting in 2012. Our last acquisition was just a few months ago. 14 different projects, five different countries in the Americas between USA, Canada, Colombia, Peru, and Brazil. Uh, over 25 million ounces of gold resources in the ground uh, across all categories of measured, indicated, and inferred. In, in Canada, this is our 43-101 system, which is similar to Dwarf in Australia. Yeah. And, 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 and look, that's the largest portfolio of gold resources that we control today out of any pre-production company in the Americas. So it puts us in a very uh, unique position in terms of size and diversification. Uh, but if you wanted to replicate what we've done over the last 12, uh, excuse me, over the last 10 years, if you wanted to replicate that today, it would be impossible. Because yeah. right now you have too much competition, uh, all, lots of too many different companies all looking for the same thing, gold projects. So you have to be a contrarian to be in a position today where you can harvest and you were farming and you were able to, you know, you were, you were buying things when uh, it was well-priced and it was very attractively priced when we bought. You know, the projects that we bought for $85 million in 2011, when gold was at $1,900 an ounce, these were all separate public companies. Yeah. And their combined market cap was over $800 million. So us paying $80 million for companies and assets that used to be worth 800 million at 1900 gold, and we were buying when gold was less than $1,300 an ounce. You can see the difference it makes. Oh, yeah. Full value versus buying for 10 cents on the dollar. And we were literally buying for 10 cents on the dollar. 
This is just such a wonderful conversation. I could talk for hours <laughs> about this. Now, I wonder where in, in the, I guess, the, in the bigger scope of things, you talked about mergers and acquisitions. Um, you're acquiring, as we've just spoken about. Is there, looking to the future, Are you? would you ever consider being amalgamated into a larger entity yourself, do you think? Is there a, well, ever we an opportunity? Have, we, yeah, so we, we have been, we're looking at it um, in a number of ways. I mean, first of all, we're looking at the fact that the total project portfolio that we've assembled mm-hmm. that consists of 14 projects, and as I mentioned, in five different countries, covering 25 million ounces of gold resources. That portfolio has cost us $85 million to acquire and put together. And that was all equity-based acquisition. So we didn't take any debt on to make this acquisition. Yeah. We issued stock. Every transaction was accreted. So today we're a debt-free company that controls all these assets with over $8 million of cash on our balance sheet, which, you know, for us, our, our, our burn rate is about $4 million a year. So we've mm-hmm. got sufficient cash here for what we're doing and our holding costs and being a public company. All those costs, we've got it very much under control. So now you say, okay, you've spent $85 million or so, you've acquired 25 million ounces. So you can say, Rick, that it's cost us about under $4 an ounce for a gold resource in the ground to, to, to put together this portfolio. That's very good when you consider today we're trading at about 13 to $14 an ounce. If you take our market cap and you divide it by 25 million ounces. So we've gotten that, we've moved up in valuation for what we paid for. Having said that, at $14 an ounce in the ground, we're actually trading at a very low valuation compared to where gold resources trade or, or sell for in mergers and acquisitions. Over the last decade, the Royal Bank of Canada did a study that showed the average multiple paid for measured, indicated, and inferred gold resources, the same category that we hold, our gold uh, resources. Yes. It was about $70 an ounce. So, so we know in mergers and acquisitions, our company could, could fetch much higher market multiple at $70 an ounce on average versus where we're trading at $14 an ounce. So we think there's a lot of upside here still, number one. Number two, we also believe we're, we're in the early innings of a gold bull market that could end up somewhere between its previous all-time high of $1,900 an ounce or where Bank of America thinks it's going to be at $3,000 an ounce. We also know that there, there was a total underinvestment by major gold producers in developing gold resources in the last decade. So having gold resources, I think, puts us in the drivers. Finally, we want to maximize the value of what we have to its absolute full potential. And we've noticed right now in the gold sector, that there's, there's a rise of the gold royalty and streaming companies that actually trade at far better, significantly higher market multiple valuations than the gold producers and developers do. This is companies like uh, Royal Gold, Franklin, Nevada, yeah. um, uh, uh, Cisco Royalties. These companies don't own the gold mines. They simply have a, a royalty interest on a variety of projects, some in production, some in development, some in exploration. And you simply get a percentage of the future sales or revenue in the case of a net smelter return royalty. So the company's operations are very streamlined. You don't have big overhead. You don't have big, big, a big team, big expenses. Yeah. But you have direct exposure to the gold price and the gold projects. So what we did, Rick, is something very creative. We said, you know, 
One way for a company like ours, who's been buying gold projects for a decade, is to create a royalty, a new royalty, on all of our own existing projects and create a gold royalty company that our company, meaning our shareholders, will own 100%. And so in a way, it's like getting two companies for the price of one. So we announced recently, that's right. So we've announced recently the formation of Gold Royalty Corp. And Gold Royalty Corp is a new company that we've created. It's currently wholly owned by Gold Mining Inc. Mm -hmm. And inside of it are 14 newly created royalties on our 14 projects that we own in five countries. And those royalties, 11 of them are on advanced stage resource projects that make up our total 25 million ounces of gold resources. So this becomes a really exciting opportunity because now when you own shares in our company, you get direct exposure to 100% ownership of our assets, but also direct exposure to Gold Royalty Corp that while it's currently owned by us, we plan and hopefully anticipate we could spin out or IPO that company, Gold Royalty Corp, separately, and that becomes value that we can pass on to gold mining shareholders. So today, again, that kind of concept that you're you're getting almost, it's, it's like getting involved at the ground floor yeah. of a new gold royalty company, and coincidentally, it's called Gold Royalty Corp. <laughs> and I think that, that that's that's very unique. There aren't any, there aren't, I haven't seen any other company do that. I think it's difficult to do that unless you have a very wide and large portfolio. So, but it just wants to show you, if you have the goods, if you have the portfolio of properties, you have flexibility to create more than one way to enhance value for your shareholders. So to answer your question, that's how we're currently stepping forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only mm -hmm. business our asset base, if there is to be mergers and acquisitions, we expect that the multiple on our valuation should be significantly higher. And look, we're in no hurry. Uh, we, we're, our company is uh, supported by in investors and institutional shareholders that have been uh, with us for really since inception. Uh, I'm personally the largest individual shareholder in the company, so yeah. we're extremely aligned with shareholders, and we are gold, uh, you know, believers in a much higher gold so as a result, we don't want to sell out too early either and really want to get the absolute maximum value for 10 years of hard work and patience. We, we want to capture the best return for our shareholders today and ourselves. That's just such wonderful insight. There's great opportunity. You're doing all the right things. This uh, royalty program, this uh, royalty investments uh, offshoot of Gold Mining Inc. are very exciting uh, progressions within your business. Now, when people want to learn more about uh, everything that you're doing, Amir, where are they going to find you? Oh, I think the best place is our corporate website. Very easy, www.goldmining.com. And uh, our company is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange and the ticker symbol, very easy to remember, that's ticker symbol GOLD or G-O-L-D. Uh, and uh, not to be confused with uh, ticker symbol GOLD in the United States, which yeah. is very cool. Uh, they're in the U.S. We're in Canada, uh, but all the, all this information is on is on our website, www.goldmining.com. Well, there you go, everybody who's on the show today. There is just a snippet of some of the great work, some of the great projects uh, that are coming forward from Gold Mining Inc. And, uh, with Amir and his team. Now, Amir, with all that being said, you are a wonderful individual. It's been such a fantastic opportunity to spend some time with you on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you very much, Rick. I really appreciated this interview. And 
you uh, you got me to really uh, uh, talk about uh, both my personal experiences uh, and gold mining needs. So I do appreciate that for uh, for for the venue that and the time that you give me. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.